tonight. Isn't God good? And I appreciate very much the song because you're going to hear where it directly ties into the message, a particular part of the message. That's awesome. And I thank you to the ladies today. Um, uh, Nan and Kathy have done a wonderful job in initiating, kicking off our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Thank you, ladies. Y'all did a wonderful, wonderful job. I just, you know, we have, an, we have a trip to Africa that's going to happen in January, and we have nine people that are going to Africa in January, and three of them have never been before. And it, come on, that's supposed to be cool. That's great. Yeah, a third of the team has never been. Now, I say that say this. You know, I really honestly, I expect and I pray that we will meet that incredible goal of $50,095. That's just like a huge amount of money. Um, but, but I think we gave more than that, according to IMB, or according to, to uh, Illinois Baptist, we gave slightly more than that last year. So it's already happened in our church, and I'm praying it will happen again. But here's something even bigger than better than that. I hope we have more people this year participating than ever before. I hope we've made it clear that, that every person can have a part in Lottie Moon because it's not the size of the gift. It's the fact that you gave. It's not the size of the gift. It's the fact that you gave. Andy Stanley taught a sermon one time. He's a pastor down in Atlanta, and he, and he made a comment and said, you know, don't let the fact that you can't help everyone keep you from helping one. Don't let the fact that you can't help everyone keep you from helping one. Don't let the fact that you can't give $200, $100, or $50 to Lottie Moon keep you from giving anything at all. In fact, you're going to hear that in the message. I think it's so funny how, how these scriptures that we've been talking uh, to out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, how they've just really applied to what we've been talking about with Lottie Moon and about our lives. And we want to finish up tonight. We'll probably hit it on Wednesday night a little bit more, something totally different. But tonight's our first last message of generosity. So if you want to take your Bibles and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is kind of where we stopped last week. I'd like to pick it back up again. It's just got some great principles for giving in these days, something I think that we can really apply to our lives. Um, I told someone today that it's good to know the Bible. You know, it's good to know knowledge about the Bible. But I really honestly believe it's so important that what we know we can apply. We don't just need knowledge of the Bible. We need knowledge that we can apply to our lives. I really think uh, that's what Paul is trying to teach us here. Keep in mind, if God's Word says something once, it's pretty important. If it says it a couple times, it's probably really important. Have you realized yet that Paul, the Apostle Paul, devoted two chapters, two chapters to generosity. Now, he mentions it in Galatians. He mentions it in other areas. But he takes two chapters out of this Second Corinthians letter and talks about the importance of generosity. I think that's very significant. I think it might be God's way of saying, hey, I really want you to pay attention to what's happening. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse number 10, it starts out by saying this. Here is my advice. Here is my advice. Okay, so, so that will grab our attention right away. We have a man that we all respect because of he wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. Uh, he's a Christ follower of, of ages gone by. Uh, one of the most recognized names in the world today in biblical studies is the Apostle Paul. And he says, here is my advice. It's timeless advice. And it's also great advice. It's timeless advice, and it's great advice. Now, listen to this. And parents, you've probably told this to your kids. All right, here we go. Here is my advice. It would be good 
for you to finish what you started a year ago. Honey, you started cleaning your room last week. It's time to finish it up. Honey, you started mowing the grass last Tuesday. It's Friday. It's time to finish it up. Honey, you started the dishes two hours ago. It's time to finish them up. Amen? Amen? It's great advice. He says, now, it would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. See, we have a finishing God. Did you notice that on the cross? Did you notice it on the cross? When Jesus is in the process of purchasing our great salvation, you know, he didn't go halfway and stop. He went all the way until he could cry out and say, it is finished. What God starts, God finishes. Aren't you glad of that in your life? You know, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you'd be very grateful that He not only starts your salvation and your sanctification, but He continues that. He continues that until one day you enter heaven's glory. So Paul says, it would be good to finish what you started a year ago. Leave no business unfinished. Leave no business unfinished. Last year, he says, last year, you were the first who wanted to give. And you were the first to begin doing it. So he says a year ago when we started, and I, we got some guests, so I'll probably ought to tell what's going on. What's happening is what Paul's writing about is there was a famine going on in Jerusalem. And the people, the Christians in Jerusalem were really suffering. And so Paul encourages these people in Greece, and that's where this letter is, Corinth and Macedonia were both located in north and south Greece. And he wants to tell them, that if they could give and help the saints in Jerusalem. Now, what's interesting is uh, the Corinthian church was quite wealthy and the Macedonian church was quite poor, okay? And, and the Corinthian church is lagging behind and the Macedonian church, who's very poor, is like, let us give. Come on, we want to give more, okay? So it's just kind of ironic. But when it came time to talk about the offering, you know, I guess they had their little committee meeting. They had their little council meeting. And they all said, yeah, we want to be a part of this. Man, that sounds awesome. That sounds wonderful. We want to be sure and give. So you're the first who wanted to give, Paul says. And you're the first one to start. Apparently, they had their little meeting. And they said, this is what we want to do for this offering in Jerusalem. And then they, had, then they started taking up an offering for about a week. Maybe two. Maybe three. And all of a sudden... Things kind of slowed down. Have you noticed something? Whatever's on TV, we pay attention to. You know, Harvey, when Harvey hit Texas, all the coverage you wanted, we were very acutely aware of the destruction in Harvey. Well, you know what? You don't see it now. Are the people still in need? Yep. Are houses still damaged? Yep. Are people still without electricity? Yeah. But we've moved on. We've moved on. We've moved on. Alma, when it hit Florida, oh, my goodness, what a deal it was. All the coverage was there for two weeks, and then we moved on. We moved on. It's amazing how quickly we move on. Well, the Corinthian church got all fired up about giving. They said, oh, this is something we want to be involved in. They even started the offering but then they moved on. Don't leave business unfinished with God. Don't move on until God says move on. If God tells you to do something, you stay doing it until he says no. If God tells you to give something, you give it until he says stop. If God tells you to serve, do it until he says stop. You're the first who wanted to give and the first who began doing it. Now, he says, you should finish what you started. You should finish well. Finish well. It's a wonderful thing to live a life for Christ, you know, 
but it's more important that at the end of our lives, we finish well. So Paul says, here's some great advice for you. What you started a year ago, you should now continue. You should keep doing it and get it done. You're the first who wanted to give and the first who started giving. Now you should finish what you started with God. In verse number 11, the second part says this. Now, let the eagerness, the excitement, if you will, the passion, let the eagerness, the passion, the excitement you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. In other words, let your giving keep up with your passion. Let your mouth follow your pocketbook. Yeah, that's what he says. Now, again, oh, yeah, oh, I got to tell you this because you're saying, doggone it, I come to church on Sunday night to seek somebody baptized, and a guy wants to talk about money. Keep in mind, we're not talking about giving to the coffers of Dorisville. This is money we give away. This is giveaway money. We give this to ministries. It's like Lottie Moon. Every dollar you give to Lottie Moon, David, you're right, every dollar you give to Lottie Moon goes to the missions field. And none of it goes to promotion. It doesn't pay some fat cat salary in Nashville or Atlanta. Every dollar goes to support missions around the world. You can give to that offering knowing your money is going exactly to help people know Jesus Christ as Savior. You can give to World Hunger Offering knowing that every dollar you give goes to buy food or drill a well or something like that. It's an incredible opportunity to give. And so, so he goes, let your passion, your eagerness that you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Let your passion be expressed in your doing. Let your passion be expressed in your doing. Now watch this. This is interesting. This is so important. Don't miss this. Give in proportion to what you have. That's what Andy Stanley was saying. Don't let the fact that you can help everyone keep you from helping one. Give in proportion to what you have. Well, Dwayne, I, I can't be generous because I can't give a lot. Can you give some? Because that's what God's Word says. Give in proportion what you have. If you can only give $5 and that's all you can afford, that's a part of the offering. No matter what it is, whether it's world hunger, Lottie Moon, whatever it is, however God leads you to give. If you see somebody hungry and you can't buy the whole meal, but you can walk up and give them $5 toward the meal, you still helped them. You still helped them. So, so Paul says, give a proportion to what you have. You're getting, oh, and by the way, if you've got a whole bunch, don't play the poverty card. If, you've, if God's blessed you with a boatload, don't say, well, I just can't afford to give. It sounds kind of hollow. Okay? Give in proportion. So if you don't have a lot, you can still give. But if God's blessed you with a boatload, then make sure you've got a small, a small, small robot, a rowboat going that way. Give in proportion to what you have. And watch, watch, this is so good. Listen, don't miss this. This is so cool. Verse 12, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Whatever you give. If you can afford five or ten or whatever, however it is that's proportionate, you can afford to give. Listen, whatever you give is acceptable. That, that is a sacrifice to God. It's acceptable. Remember in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, you know, let a man purpose in his heart. What to give? Because God loves a cheerful giver. God says, I want you to give in proportion to what you've got, and I want you to give liberally. I want you to give it open-handedly. In this case, he says, I want you to give it eagerly. And give according to what you have and not what you don't have. So two things there. First off, don't give out of guilt. Don't you hate that? I don't know if you guys go to conferences and stuff. 
you know, and, and those words come. Have you ever noticed, if, you're, if you've ever been to a conference, a, a Christian conference, have you ever noticed the correlation between offering and visits to the bathroom? Oh, now this is true, Donnie. This is true. Offerings cause bladder attacks. It's a proven fact. You watch. When someone says it's time for the offering, everyone's got to go to the bathroom. It's an amazing thing. But don't you feel that? You, you hate that. And a, a preacher will get up there, you know, at these conferences particularly, and give this big, long spill about expenses or what we're trying to do and da-da-da. And they put this huge guilt trip on them. Well, when Paul says, and give according to what you have and not what you don't have, there should be no guilt at offering time. You give in proportion to what you have and give it eagerly. It becomes acceptable, and there's no guilt. And there's no insignificant gift. There's no insignificant gift. Every once in a while I hear somebody say, somebody knows somebody's got some money, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I know they give a lot. Well, what if they do? Do you not understand? Do you understand that up in heaven with God's economy, that if a person gives thousands of dollars, but they have millions, and a person gives hundreds because they only have thousands, that both gifts are equal? Both gifts are equal. That's how God works in his economy. So, so you, you, you give according to what you have, not what you don't have. You, you should not feel guilty or insignificant because of what you don't have. Now, he goes on verse number 13 in 2 Corinthians 8. Now, of course, he says, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. Now, that's, again, very significant. God's not asking you to create a burden on you. Oh, this is good. God's not asking you to create a burden on you to ease a burden on someone else. That's pretty significant. Let me say it again. God's not asking to create a burden on you to ease a burden on someone else. That's not the deal. It's not the deal. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. I love the way he explains this. He says, right now, he says, talking to the Corinthian church, he says, now, Corinthian church, right now where you are, and the economy was good in Corinth, okay? The economy was good in Corinth. It was bad in Jerusalem, but it was good there. So he says, right now, verse 14, right now you have plenty, and you can help those who are in need. So right now, Corinthian church, you're in a station in your life where you have funds available. So right now, you have the ability to help others. Now, watch this. Later, later, sometime later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. So, so Paul is saying, yes, right now, Corinthian church, you're in a place where you can give, and you should give, because there might come a time in the future when you'll have a need, and these same ones that are receiving gifts will be giving gifts to help you. Verse 15. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left, left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Anybody know what that refers to? The manna. The manna. You remember the manna? Manna was like, like grits from heaven. Did y'all know that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, when, when God fed the children of Israel, it's the origin of grits. And they did not have sugar on them, Jeremy. Um, yeah, yeah, so, so God sprinkled the earth with grits, and there'd be little piles of grits laying around, and all these southern Jews would go out and get the grits. 
No, no, that's really not what happened. But what did happen is this. They were like honey cakes. That's how the Bible describes them. There were honey cakes, and the people would go out. And it was so funny, they could only pick up enough for one day, except on the day before the Sabbath, they'd pick up two days. It was amazing. If you went out and picked up a whole bunch, whatever you had left over spoiled. And, and, and if you only picked up a little bit, somehow it lasted and was multiplied and made it through the day. So that's what, that's what Paul is alluding to here. He says those who had a lot had nothing left over, and those who had little had everything they needed. Now, I want to do, I want to do a little bonus check here. This is bonus material. All right? I want to skip back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 11, because, again, it ties in with this idea of generosity and obeying God. In 2 Corinthians 9, 11, it says this. Yes, Paul said, talking to the Corinthian church again, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. In other words, God wants to use you as stewards. God wants to use you as a funnel for ways to help people in the world. All right? And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So so when, when Paul finishes taking the offering... And he takes it over to Jerusalem. When they take that offering over there, he says they will thank God. And guess what? That's ultimately what matters. Enter Donnie. To God be the glory. Great things he has called. And you know what the name of that song is? My Tribute. To God be the glory. It's not about us. When... when Paul took the offering to them. He says, they will not likely go, thank you, Corinth Church. They ultimately will thank God, and that's what it's all about, that God gets glory. He says it even better in verse 12. I love, I had, that's why I had to include this. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. Two things are going to happen. First off, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. In other words, there's some hungry people, and they're going to be fed. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. The hungry people are going to be fed. The second thing is going to happen, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So the hungry people are going to be fed, and then God is going to get the glory. Donnie's song. What's missing? Us. Do you see it? Nowhere does Paul say, and they're going to, they're going to get a plaque on the wall, you're going to get a letter of commendation from the pastor. You know what? Because it doesn't matter. We have got to get over the fact that somehow we're the star of the shows and that, that if we give, we're supposed to get all kind of applause and accolades. No. To God be the glory, great things he has done. That's what's all. See, see, if we're able to give, Corinthian church, if you're able to give, there's one reason you're able to give, and that's because God gave it to you to give. That's just how it is. And guess what? It's true today. When we write our checks to the church ministry or to Lottie Moon or whatever, who put those funds within our grasp? It was God. So to God be the glory, great things he has done. So in Central Asia, when we think about Matt and Bethany, and we prayed for fast fruit, and they are seeing people saved in an incredibly desperate situation. People are becoming Christians, Christ followers, believers, even though it costs them their lives and their jobs. They're still trusting Jesus Christ. And then God is getting the glory. 
We're glad we're able to give and help make that possible. I'm glad for Matt and Bethany going, but they're not the star of the show. We're not the star of the show. God is the star of the show. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Amen? All right. Well, I think we're, I've got another whole set of scriptures, but I think we're going to quit right there because that's a great place. That's just a great place. And y'all ought to go out and have donuts or something somewhere. All y'all bunch of people back here. Uh, you know, Marsha, y'all take them out and get buy everybody's supper somewhere. All right? Just buy everybody's supper. It's a good deal. But hasn't God been good today? I really pray as we, as we've taken two weeks, and we'll probably hit this one more time on Wednesday night, probably. But we've taken two Sundays. Paul took two chapters, and we took two Sundays talking about incredible generosity. Remember, it's the secret sauce that makes life worth living, both for the church and for us as individuals. So as we enter this Christmas season, an opportunity to be generous. Yes, the Lottie Moon. Yeah, I mean, I hope you eat, sleep, and breathe, Lottie Moon, in the next five weeks. I hope you'll do that. But keep your eye out at restaurants for someone who might need a meal. Don't forget the salvation kettle. This woman will not walk by the kettle if she's got a dollar bill or two dollar bills and sometimes a five dollar bill. So look at the kettle and remember that's a good ministry that you can help them help others. Look for ways this day to be generous. Why? Because God our Father is incredibly generous to us. Amen? Amen. When we stand to our feet, we're going to pray and Dave's going to lead us in a song. Why don't you come on down we'll have a song. Well, you know, God, it has been a really good day, and I want to thank you for the privilege that we had of sharing and talking about teaching about generosity. Father, burn this into our hearts this week and this coming weeks. Burn into our hearts. God, I thank you so much um, for Nikki and for Lauren, Father, and their baptism tonight. What fine young ladies. And we look forward to seeing what you're going to do in their lives. Um, Father, we'll remember this day because it was their day to be baptized. And, Lord Jesus, we pray for great victories coming forward in our lives personally, and life of the church. And God, there's some business now that needs to be finished tonight. Well, Father, that's what this song is about. Um, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts and let's finish any business that you might have for us. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.